Hello there, my name is Angelica Mello and this is my podcast Neuroscience in the Bible. It's been a while since I haven't created any content and to be honest, I have missed it. Um, I love the fact that I have an audience and there are people who are interested in getting to know what I have to say and I just, I'm privileged and, and I, I want to be honest with you, I, I didn't think that there could be an audience but I have been convinced by people and friends and people that I have the privilege to do life with um, and to continue in pursuing this route of putting together science and the bible and because there are not many resources or research that has equated science and Christianity or spirituality uh, this is an opportunity that I have to put it out there, to keep creating content and to keep reaching an audience that is interested in the betterment of their souls, minds, um, emotional well-being, and at the same time, spirituality. So today, there is a topic that I want to uh, talk about is resting, how it is that to rest not necessarily means that you're not doing anything or you're not being productive, uh, but how our brains are actually created to take mental breaks, to be in, in, in a way, in a passive rest, specifically when your mind are, is wandering, and how this can be either turned into negativity or positivity. And Again, how the scripture is backing up science. And yeah, I'm excited. So here it goes, resting. Have you guys heard of the default mode network or DMN? This is an area or several areas of the brain interacting specifically when a person is not focused on the outside world. Basically, um, the default mode is active during passive rest and when the mind is wandering. And usually people are thinking about others, think about themselves, uh, remembering the past. And it's funny because I, it makes me think about the times that I do that constantly specifically when I'm you know either somebody's talking and they tend to talk a lot and they tend to be long-winded and then they give a lot of details and it's so uh, hard for me to just continue in like with the story and then I have to just bring myself back and then remembering like the last thing they say it and trying to connect to participate in the conversation which is so bad because it happens to me as well I tend to talk a lot and lose the point and <laughs> But anyway, it happens to everyone, I guess. But this default mode network is active specifically when the person is not basically focused in whatever is happening around them. The issues that they have found in research is that increased DMN activity and functional connectivity is found in depression, also in pain disorders. There is a process called rumination, and when you have repetitive thoughts, the only issue is that when a person is depressed already, they keep replaying, re depressing or sad memories. 
and they go over and over again in their minds and they think about the past they think about the pain they think about the people who hurt them and this prevents them from healing even when they think about the the pain or the trauma that caused the pain in itself and they keep recreating and replaying these events they end up having more pain and and you you don't get to heal basically so when this particular network is in activity the person gets to really become more anxious right and having more stress so definitely even if your mind is in passive mode in that moment you are not not being passive you are actually in more activity in that moment that is creating toxic um, memories and, and toxicity in your brain but people researchers also have come up with solutions for example they say that in order for you to, to optimize the way that you use your default mode network or dmn is through meditation and mindfulness uh, on, aside from the, the topic of mindfulness, me and my friend were talking because she, she's a uh, scholar. She works um, at, at an Ivy League school and every time uh, people are mentioning in professional fields meditation or mindfulness, if it's uh, related to the, the part that is about, you know, um, Eastern philosophies or religions and like you know different type of um i'm gonna say i don't know buddhism or hinduism and, and all of that when it comes to mindfulness and meditation it's you know something that people encourage but if we refer to western meditation which is prayer or spirituality when it comes to Christianity, it's always um, pushed back. There's always pushback and they they always think that it's like not related to a scientific topic. But anyways, uh, today I wanted to focus more because this is how I want to um, orientate this podcast, which is my faith, my beliefs is in Christianity. And I wanted to guide you the way that we are created for mindfulness and for meditation and how this can occur multiple times a day. The way that I I use it or the way that I I increase this activity in the positive way is through self-awareness and self-regulation. I'm going to have to be honest. This is a practice that I'm trying to perfect, but I don't believe that I'm all there yet. Uh, there's still a lot of insecurities in me. For example, the moment that I have negative thoughts about myself, disqualifying thoughts about myself, either when I'm dealing with stress regarding my relationships, my job, my family, finances, uh, sense of purpose. Every time I go through hardships, right? The conversation that I have or the self or introspective uh, mode in my brain is talking to God. Basically, mindfulness to me talks about how I am aware of the union I have in Christ and how the God inside of me, who chose me as his resting place, by the way, and I'm going to talk about it uh, a little bit more, um, how that awareness makes me internalize 
the way that I have um, control in my emotions, in my feelings, and therefore my decisions. So every time, you know, I am reminded by life that things not all the time go my way, that I am very much, um, you know, insecure about circumstances or I'm seeking validation. I find myself not finding a voice, doubting myself, feeling not good enough, you know, because for whatever circumstances, right? Or I have no solutions, basically, for the problems around me. This is an opportunity for me to become self-aware of the presence of God inside of me. And I have a, a talk with him and, and I just ask him how he sees me, how he sees my situation, how his perspective should become my perspective, how I have all access to heaven, right? And from that vintage point, I can assess a situation and therefore make decisions that are not according to my trauma, my insecurities, my fear of rejection, but the truth that he says about me. So we're going to talk about it um, a little bit more about how this in the scripture is defined how rest in the scripture is defined and the way that God has equipped us already to make decisions according to his will and not trauma the scripture that we're going to talk about today is the story of Noah which is in Genesis 6 um, whether you are a believer or not I think that you are familiarized with Noah's Ark or the story of the flood uh, it is funny, but many, many cultures and traditions have a version of the story of the flood and, and or the story of Noah's Ark. Uh, we're not going to, uh, you know, just dive into that because it's not the point for today. But the scripture, um, Genesis 6, 5, talks about the wickedness of mankind in that time. There are a group of people, um, I think that they are called... Nephilims, and this is describing basically giants and how these people you know started having children and they basically lost their way okay so when God says that he made us into his own image the word image talks about purpose and talks about the mind frame or the mindsets or the perspective of the mind and the power that we have with our minds to influence not only our bodies but our realities as well and it says in genesis 6 5 that god saw the wickedness of that man in every imagination or every mindset that they have it was only evil and basically the thoughts of their hearts were evil continually so these people who had a mindset that it was corrupted already he didn't want them to leave you know so he sends a flood and he only finds righteous noah and his family so his family got to survive along with uh the species male and female for uh, every creature in, in on earth and we know how the story goes and it's kind of like humanity started again with noah but what i want you to focus is the revelation that god gave me and basically um, the ark represents the presence of God, right? Uh, where the presence of God rested. If you are familiarized with it, the ark of the covenant became 
the presence of God or the place that the presence of God rested for many, many years where the Israelites, you know, wandered in the desert, uh, whether, you know, it was in a tent or in a temple. The Ark of the Covenant represented the place that God's presence rested. And here in the story of Noah, God performs a covenant with Noah. Uh, the word covenant um, represents a sacrifice. The first time that God performed a sacrifice in order for him to establish a relationship, a covenant with humanity, started with Adam and Eve when he, in order for them to be covered, uh, they uh, had to, he had to kill a creature. And once there is blood, you know, the sacrifice is actually just the way they seal that covenant. It was repeated again with Abraham when he killed an animal and then he parted um, the animal and they had to walk through the blood and they basically were... He was again entering into a covenant with humanity. Covenant means relationship. And the fact that he performs a sacrifice is sealing that covenant with his own blood, his own um, promise, right? The promise in this case was a rainbow. He made a promise to Noah, a covenant with humanity that no longer he would destroy it. But he was sent the promise that would create it in us the ability to continually just stay in relationship, in union with him. So the most interesting part that I want you to think is that once Noah enters into the ark, Noah is representing the way that we entered into that relationship. The word for Noah is rest. The Hebrew word Noah means rest. So think about it. Jesus comes. He becomes the sacrifice. So we enter into a covenant the moment that we accept the sacrifice. And we became the ark. We became the place where God's presence rests. He chose us as his resting place. In this union with him, we can participate in communion, in constant communion and relationship with him. The capacity that he gave us through the DMN, Default Mode Network, which is your mind entered into a passive rest which means you can shut down whatever is around you so you can just be interconnected with him. And in that conversation, in that reflection, you can be given all of the tools that you need in order for you to not be controlled by your circumstances, but to control the way you react on your circumstances, which eventually gives you the capacity to influence those circumstances around you. So I just want you, you know, to digest on that word 
how he created us to become his resting place. Meditate on it day and night. You have this capacity. Instead of rumination, we have imagination that creates and co-creates with God the perfect will that he has for our lives. We can have in that conversation the confirmation of the way that he sees us and he sees our circumstances. So we can get into that alignment and that agreement to produce his purpose in our lives. Again, meditate on the truth of you becoming the God of the universe resting, resting place and how each area of your life would look like from that perspective. I hope this blessed you. Leave a review, a comment, share with friends, and keep in touch. Um, just, you know, whatever you questions or topics of conversations you want me to have, here I am. Please share. And yeah, until next time.